Hello, everyone. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church. Uh, one of our core convictions here at CSE is to preach through the various books of the Bible. Uh, typically, we don't do topical sermons, but we value the systematic exposition of the Bible. Around Christmas time, we started preaching from the Gospel of Matthew, and we worked our way through the opening chapters. If you remember, we had three sermon series from Matthew chapters 1 to 4. We call them Revealing Jesus, Tempted, and the last one, New Kind of Family. The next section in the gospel is the famous Sermon on the Mount. Now, we're going to skip this part as uh, Pastor Henry has already done an extensive teaching on this section of scripture. He did a phenomenal job in the sermon series in applying the Sermon on the Mount to our lives. So be sure to check it out on our website. And now we come to Matthew chapter 8, and we have a series of miracles. In fact, there are 10 distinct miracles in Matthew chapters 8 and 9. While the Sermon on the Mount focused on life in the kingdom of God, Jesus now demonstrates the power of God's kingdom through these miracles. We're calling this next series, Thy Kingdom Come. At the very start of the gospel, there are two summary statements of Jesus' ministry. If you look here at Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now you see almost identical words here in Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Now the reason they're identical is because uh, Matthew, the gospel writer, is using a literary device called inclusio. So sandwiched between these two chapters, you will see uh, Matthew is talking about the preaching, teaching, and healing ministry of Jesus. So the Sermon on the Mount focuses on Jesus' preaching and teaching ministry. And right after that, we have a reference to the healing ministry of Jesus that's on full display. All through the Gospels, Jesus made a frequent reference to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. It signifies the reign or the rule of God over all creation. As a consequence of sin, we have many opposing forces at work in the universe. Sickness, natural disasters, death, and demonic forces. They strive hard to defy the reign of God. But here is the good news of the gospel. And through the coming of Jesus, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated. The arrival of Christ's kingdom is like an invasion. It is a divine reversal. God is not distant or silent, but he has acted decisively in Christ. He is in the process of redeeming his creation, of restoring everything under the lordship of Christ by removing all wrongs and making all things right. At the outset, let me point a paradox. 
You see, in the Bible, as well as in our experience, the already and not yet dimensions of God's kingdom. On the one hand, the kingdom of God is here. It is a present spiritual reality. The miracles Jesus performed announced the grand arrival of his kingdom. Our broken world is being repaired. Everything is under renovation. But on the other hand, we're still living in a fallen world that is bound by sin, sickness, demonic forces, and death. It will never be perfect this side of eternity. The renovation will be complete only at the full consummation of the kingdom when Jesus returns. So we live now in this tension, in this in-between space. And Christians are called to pray for God's kingdom to come in its fullness to bridge this gap. And today I want to show us how Jesus has all authority and power over something that has a firm grip upon our universe. One of our long-standing enemy has been disease and sickness. The breaking down of our bodies, whether it is due to old age or through the vicious attack of a virus, no one is exempt from falling sick. Now, how does Jesus exercise authority over this enemy? Where are you watching this? I'm going to ask you to stand as we read our scripture text from Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we want to hear your voice. So come and minister to us now in the power of your Holy Spirit. We give this time totally into your hands personalize this message for each one of us for we pray this in the authoritative name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen you may be seated there was a global pandemic caused by a virus the number of infected people increased daily 
Officials recommended frequent hand washing and quarantining the sick. Several cities went so far as to ban public worship services and other public gatherings. In the end, the pandemic killed 50 million people. No, we're not talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, but rather what is commonly known as the Spanish flu in 1918. People today think that the coronavirus is unprecedented, but let us not forget all through history, we've had several outbreaks of infectious diseases. The Black Death in the Middle Ages, to smallpox, to cholera. We have a long line of diseases that have wreaked havoc on humanity. When God created the world and placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he called it very good. There were no diseases, infections, no harmful bacteria and viruses. But all of this changed when sin entered into the world because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. A fallen world is the reason why we have pandemics like the coronavirus. As much as we have advanced in medical technology, doctors are not gods. They don't have all the answers to our medical problems. As Jesus launches his kingdom, one of the first enemies he encounters is sickness and disease. Jesus takes this head on. The gospel text that we read talks about the impressive faith of a Roman centurion. So much so that Jesus himself was amazed. He was blown away by the centurion's deep faith. Now let's look at our text, uh, Matthew 8, verses 5 and 6. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. That word asking should actually be translated as beseeching, begging, or pleading. There is an earnestness to his request. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. A centurion is a title given to a Roman captain, a captain of the Roman army. A centurion would usually have 100 soldiers reporting to him. He supervised the detachment of troops that were under his care. A centurion represented the Roman government that held power in Israel and as a result were hated by the Jews. This particular Roman centurion had a servant who was sick and about to die. A text tells us that the servant was not just sick, but he was paralyzed and suffering terribly. He was in intense pain, grievously tormented. Death was imminent, and the only hope was for divine intervention. The word Matthew uses in his gospel to refer to the servant actually means a young boy. A Roman centurion is a compassionate man who has love and concern for this young, suffering servant. Hearing about the miracle-working powers of Jesus, the centurion approaches him in humility, seeking for help. And Jesus, on his part, is more than willing. He asks the centurion, shall I come and heal? 
But the centurion's response to Jesus was so fascinating that even Jesus was amazed by it. Look at verses 8 and 9. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, as a captain in the Roman army, this centurion understood how authority functioned. He had been commissioned by Rome and had the authority and the backing of the strong Roman Empire. And he knew the level of control he had over his men. All he had to do was issue a command, and it was the obligation of those under him to get it done. His commands came with the authority of the emperor Caesar himself. The Roman centurion, who was so well-versed with authority, demonstrated a remarkable understanding of the nature of Jesus' authority. That is why he calls Jesus Lord twice in this passage. The people of the Roman Empire worshipped Caesar and hailed him as Lord. But this centurion recognizes who the real Lord is. It's not Caesar, it's Jesus. And the centurion is essentially saying here, if I, a mere Roman officer, have so much authority because I represent an earthly empire, then how much more authority Jesus has as the representative of a heavenly empire. So he expresses unlimited confidence in the authority of Jesus. Jesus didn't have to come under his roof in order to heal the boy. He could do it remotely. And there was no need for a long prayer or an elaborate ritual. A word from Jesus would be sufficient to heal his servant. Now that is remarkable faith and certainty in who Jesus is. Now look at Jesus' response to the centurion, verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The last phrase there, such great faith, can be translated faith as strong as this. Think about this. In all of Israel, there's no faith as strong as this. Jesus was amazed. The word for amazed or marveled is the same word used commonly to describe people's reactions to Jesus' miracles. Except this time, it was Jesus who was totally amazed. This is the only time this word is used with reference to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Faith that amazes Jesus has this underlying conviction Irrespective of the circumstances, Jesus has unlimited authority. Do we believe that? Jesus reigns. There is nothing you and I will face in life that is outside of his jurisdiction. 
And we can rest in that assurance no matter what our circumstances in life are like. Jesus cites the centurion as an example of faith to all the descendants of Abraham. See, the religious elites, they were watching the scene. They were the covenantal people of promise. They had the right spiritual pedigree. And yet Jesus calls the Roman centurion as a role model of faith. That is simply mind-blowing. This Roman centurion, this Gentile, this person who was despised by the Jews, this ethnic outcast, had more faith than anyone else in all of Israel, including Jesus' own disciples, because of his understanding of Jesus' authority. A central theme in the entire section here in Matthew chapter 8 and 9 is Jesus' authority. The spotlight is on the unlimited authority of Jesus over forces that oppose the kingdom of God. Of the nine times Matthew uses the word authority in the entire gospel, five of these occur in this section. Jesus' authority to heal sets him apart clearly. Now we find this fascinating verse in the Psalms, Psalm 107 verse 20 the first part says he sent out his word and healed them that's a reference to God God sent out his word and healed them see God has the power to send his word and bring healing a word is all that is needed for God to heal God's word has healing power and what does Jesus do Jesus didn't have to pray for someone to be healed. Instead, Jesus speaks a word from afar and executes healing. Jesus' authority parallels that of God. The young boy who is paralyzed, suffering great pain, agonizing in his bed, being tortured by disease, that very moment is made whole, receives complete supernatural healing. The enemy of sickness and disease that has plagued us for so long is now brought under the authority of Christ subject to his power and cannot spiral out of control. What a great story of faith from 2,000 years ago. Here's the application for us. What do we do when we are sick? How do we deal with sicknesses and diseases today? A, bios- a, a biopsy or an MRI, followed by an unexpected ominous call from the doctor's office. Cancer. Life seems to be going normal, and suddenly, out of the blue, you experience a heart attack or a stroke. A young mom or dad gets diagnosed with a debilitating disease. Coronavirus outbreaks take place at senior homes and wreaks havoc. When sickness confronts us, let us be reminded 
Jesus' power is available today to bring healing in all domains, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Now that, in fact, is the evidence that the kingdom of God is here in our midst and is invading the powers of darkness and taking ground back. We see healings in response to prayers of faith because that shows King Jesus reigns. Sickness doesn't have the ultimate say. The kingdom of God confronts the kingdoms of this world and they capitulate before the one who is all-powerful and almighty. And today we are called to exercise the authority that Jesus has given to us and pray with confidence for divine healing. Having said that, let me also remind us of the already and not yet dimensions of God's kingdom. When Jesus came, he set in motion this promised restoration. One day the process will be complete, but not yet. Will everyone we pray for get healed? Will God always positively answer to our request for physical healing? Keep in mind, the kingdom is not fully consummated. Sickness is still a long-standing enemy of humanity. We are still confounded by the power of sickness. But I have news for you, church. There is someone who has conquered sickness and disease. There is someone who has stripped them of its power. His name is Jesus. How is Jesus more powerful than sickness? Here is the good news for all who are sick. If you come to Jesus in faith, recognizing his authority, then you are promised divine healing. The question is not if you will be healed, but when and how you will be healed. Some of us, we will receive that healing in this life in response to prayers of faith. And that is a clear sign that the kingdom of God has come and the curse of the fall is being reversed. The rest of us will receive our healing when we see Jesus face to face. All believers have this promise. Sickness is a conquered enemy and the countdown for its utter demise has already begun. And there is coming a day in heaven and people who used to be in wheelchairs will be able to sprint. People whose bodies were eaten by cancer will have a restored body that is cancer free. The ones who suffered from depression will have a renewed mind that will be in awe of God. That is the destiny of every follower of Jesus Christ. Sickness has been defeated and will one day be utterly vanquished. Hallelujah. As I bring this message to a close... I want to turn our attention to the COVID-19 pandemic 
and ask us to do something collectively as a church. Listen to me. Every time we intercede and pray for God's healing, we are praying for his kingdom to come. The Roman centurion models for us how we should be praying during this COVID-19 crisis. Like the Roman centurion, we come before Jesus begging and pleading for his divine intervention. We don't come before God as people who are arrogant or entitled, but we come in humility and brokenness. And like the Roman centurion who felt so deeply for his suffering young servant, we feel, we ought to feel deeply for the world around us. The pain and the extent of global suffering is enormous, and that should break our hearts. And out of that sense of desperation, we appeal to King Jesus, who has unconditional authority like the centurion did. See, so many of us pray such safe prayers. But remember, Jesus is pleased. In fact, he's amazed when we affirm his absolute authority, his unlimited power, his full control, and request him to act. Do we believe that one word is all it takes? One word from Jesus to put an end to this global crisis. I think it's time for the church to start praying such bold prayers for God's kingdom to come and invade our planet. For if we don't pray these prayers, who else will? I want to give an opportunity for us to do that right now. So wherever you're watching this, would you close your eyes? This is an opportunity for us boldly intercede on behalf of our suffering world. The more we see the effect of this virus and the pain and the suffering that it's causing all around the world, may our hearts be broken and let us appeal to our Jesus who has unlimited authority to put an end to this pandemic. I want to ask us to close our eyes and pray right now. Lord, we come before you today, acknowledging that you alone have unlimited authority and power. Jesus, you have conquered over sickness. You have already inaugurated your kingdom. You are the all-powerful, all-conquering, supreme power here on earth. So we acknowledge your lordship. And we pray for the sake of a world that is suffering deeply. That you will have mercy on us. That you will stretch forth your nail-pierced hands over this hurting world. And have your way. 
speak your word and bring an end to this virus, to this global pandemic, and let your peace fill our hearts and flood this world, and many people will be drawn closer to you. For this we pray in the matchless, authoritative, all-powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.